Ace Podcast. Nobody rats on Little Caesar. See? There it is. Experimental robot 23. He's really something, Professor. I want you to look everywhere for a girl named Janet Corning. Janet Corning. Five feet, five inches, uh, brown hair. Brown eyes and the cutest little dimples you ever saw. Brown eyes and the cutest little... I mean, she has prominent dimples. This is Wisecrack's Radio Hour. Join us as we follow quantum scientists Chuck and Wagner through their adventures as they try to get back home to the year 2017 and listen in as they riff on classic radio. Wagner. Hey, Chuck. Any luck on capturing a screenshot of that airdrop message? Not yet. I tried it a few times over the past few days. You know, that message has never shown up when I've been at home. It only happens here at the station. I got the iPhone charging now. I'll bring it in next week and see what happens. Okay. I made a new list of things we need for the machine. Most of it's basic stuff, some copper coils, some switches. But one of these is going to be tough to get a hold of. What is it? We've got to have an NXS converter. I need it tonight. Oh, wow. Just that one thing? Has the NXS even been invented yet? Yeah. NASA built it for the Explorer 1. It's been around for just over a month now. As far as I know, there's only one on Earth. And it's sitting safe and sound in the rocket. But if we can get the schematics on it, I bet we could build one ourselves. How are we going to get our hands on the schematics? We already look like spies by disappearing for 10 years and just showing back up. You know, we got to be careful. True. We don't want to look like we're spying in 1957. Won't end well. Well, let's just think about it. I'm sure we'll come up with something we always do. Let me cue up our next tape. Oh, nice. Another Sherlock Holmes. I like these. Me too. But they sure do talk fast. Now for our weekly visit with our good friend and host, Dr. Watson. Of Watson Pool and Spa. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. You're a bit late. I've been keeping some dinner hot for you. Here, pull up your chair and and join me. Ooh, nachos. Doctor, are you all set with tonight's story? Yes, my boy. I'm all set, as you call it. As a matter of fact, I was going over my notes on the case just before you arrived. Decided to throw them out. You hinted that a beautiful girl figured prominently in your adventure. That's quite right, Mr. Bartell. An extremely beautiful girl. In fact, I often used to say to Sherlock Holmes that if I'd been a little younger at the time, I might... Oh, well, you haven't come here to listen to my personal reminiscences. Correct. You want to hear the story that I called The Problem of Tor Bridge. I thought it was pronounced Thor. How did it begin? On a windy morning in October... In in the 1890s, it was. As I was dressing, I observed how the last remaining leaves were being whirled away from the solitary plane tree which graced the yard behind our Baker Street house. Jerry Rafferty. I descended to breakfast, prepared to find my companion in depressed spirits, for, like all great artists, he was easily impressed by his surroundings. But 
To my surprise, he was in an unusually gay mood. <laughs> Easy, and Tiger. Stop at me and with a with a smile. Good morning, my dear fellow. Hope you slept well. Splendidly, thank you, sir. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, you're very solicitous this morning. I, I think you must have got a new case. Of herpes. The faculty of deduction is certainly contagious. Yes, I have a new case. After Sweet, I hope it's a carry-on. Stagnation, the wheels revolve once more. Good. Tell me all about it. Well, as yet, there isn't much to tell. Have you ever heard of Neil Gibson? Sausage King of Nashville? Yes, yes, yes. Something to do with gold mining, isn't he? A great deal to do with it, my dear fellow. In fact, he's considered the greatest mining magnet in the world. About five years ago, he bought a large estate in Hampshire. That you've read of the tragic death of his wife. Oh, yes, of course. I remember the case now. She was murdered by a jealous governess who was in her employ, wasn't she? No, she ate a bad sausage. And the lady in question, uh, Grace Dunbar, I believe her name is, comes up for trial at the forthcoming Winchester Assizes. In any case, it's hard for me to see what I can do for my client at this late date. Your client? Oh, yes, I forgot I hadn't told you. I'm getting into your involved habit of telling a story backwards. Mm. Better read this letter. Came this morning. Well, I've won the publisher's clearinghouse thing. <laughs> Dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, Miss Dunbar is innocent. I can't see the finest woman in the world go to her death without doing everything possible to save her. Oh, she's pretty. Case closed. 10.30 tomorrow morning to discuss the matter yours faithfully, Neil Gibson. Sausage King of Nashville. There you have it, Watson. That is the gentleman I await. Uh, do you know anything about his dead wife? I know she stopped breathing. Reading in the papers, apparently she was past her prime. No offense. Which was the more unfortunate as this Miss Dunbar, who superintended the education of the two young children, is reputed to be a very attractive young lady. <laughs> Wouldn't be so tragic if she was ugly. Where did the murder take place? On Gibson's estate in Hampshire. His wife was found in the grounds nearly half a mile from the manor house, late at night, clad in her dinner dress with a shawl over her shoulders, and... A revolver bullet through her brain. A revolver bullet? A salt no revolver bullet. The scene of the crime. What made them suspect the governess? She's ugly. There was some very incriminating evidence. A revolver with one discharged chamber, the caliber corresponding with a bullet in the dead woman's head, was found on the floor in Miss Dunbar's wardrobe. Oh, was it? Pretty damaging evidence, Holmes. Mm. Revolvers can be damaging. And to make the case even blacker against Miss Dunbar, the dead woman had a note on her making an appointment at that very spot. And the note was signed by the governess. Oh, I thought there were no clues at the scene of the crime. It's clear. Hmm? Mr. Gibson would be a great catch for a young girl. Love, fortune, power. Plot holes. All dependent on one life. Possibly, Watson, but circumstantial evidence can be very misleading at times. Ah, there's a gentleman in question, unless I'm very much mistaken, considerably before his time. I can see him from the window here. Formidable looking fellow. Must be well over six foot tall. <laughs> Judging by the way he's wrenching at that doorbell, he's a man with a violent temper. Or he's just really excited to be here. Uh, meet him on the stairs, will you, old chap? We'll save Mrs. Hudson the journey. Oh, don't stop believing. Ah, I saw him twice. Nice. Perry both times. Mm. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. All right. Are you Mr. Sherlock Holmes? No, no, indeed. I'm his colleague, Dr. Watson. Uh, come along in, won't you? Mr. Neil Gibson, I presume? That's right. So you're the great Sherlock Holmes, huh? <laughs> Adjective is your own, Mr. Gibson. Sit down, won't you? By the way, you may speak uh, quite freely in front of Yeah, we won't charge you a penny for speaking. Well, I may as well begin by telling you that money means nothing to me in this case. You well, in that case, we will charge you. Lighting the truth. Miss Dunbar is innocent, and it's up to you to prove it. Just name your fee. Ah, uh, we work for Buffalo Wings, see? I'm on a fixed scale. I don't vary them, except when I omit them altogether. Very well. We can work it that way, too. Report to the coroner's inquest? Yes, very thoroughly. I don't see that I can add anything that'll help you. But if there are any questions you'd like to ask, I'll answer them. Cool. Did you catch the Hallmark Channel last night? First, now what were the exact relations between you and Miss Dunbar? I suppose you're within your rights in asking such questions, Mr. Holmes? We will agree to suppose so, shall we? Then I can assure you that my relations with Miss Dunbar were always 
those of an employer towards a young lady with whom he never conversed or even saw, except in the company of his children. No wine oh. signing here, sir. Rather a busy man, Mr. Gibson, and I've no time or taste for aimless conversation. I wish you good morning. What the devil do you mean by this, Mr. Holmes? My dear sir, the case is difficult enough. Without your giving me false information. Meaning that I lied. I don't Pants on fire. As possible, but <clears throat> if you insist on the word, I won't contradict you. Why, you confound Don't be noisy, Mr. Gibson. Please don't be noisy. I find that after breakfast, even the smallest argument is unsettling. I suggest that a stroll in the morning air and a little quiet thought will be greatly to your advantage. I suppose I can't make you take the case, <clears throat> but you've done yourself no good this morning, Mr. Holmes. I've broken stronger men than you. And I've broken stronger wind than you. Good morning, Mr. Gibson. You've a great deal yet to learn. Well, Marcel Holmes, you were unusually severe with him. <laughs> I dislike liars, Watson, and I cannot tolerate arrogance, particularly when it's coupled with great wealth. Well, how did you know about his relations with the governor? I didn't. It was pure bluff. bluff. Does that always work for him? They worked. Do you think he'll come back? Oh, of course he will. He needs my help too badly. He'll probably change his mind before he's halfway down the stairs. Come in. Lanshark. Mm. Ah, <laughs> Mr. Gibson. Just saying to Dr. Watson that I was certain you'd be back. I've been thinking it over, Mr. Holmes, and I feel that perhaps I was hasty in taking your remarks amiss. Just the same, I can assure you that the relations between Miss Dunbar and me really don't affect this case. Surely so there were relations. Right, Mr. Gibson. You see, Mr. Gibson, my friend is like a doctor. He wants every symptom before he can give his diagnosis. He used to watch Grey's Anatomy. Holmes, what is it you want to know? The truth. I can give it to you in very few words. To begin with, I met my wife when I was gold mining in Brazil. Which was a shock to me because I thought I'd left her at home. Wasn't she, sir? Yes, Doctor, and very beautiful. And a Brazilianaire. Well, to make a long story short, I fell in love and married her and brought her to England. After a few years, I realized that we had nothing, absolutely nothing in common. And then I suppose this young governess, Miss Dunbar, arrived on the scene. That's right, Mr. Holmes. Well, the story should be obvious to you from there. You uh, fell in love with this girl, I suppose. See, I told you it was obvious. Did you suggest marriage to her? Yes. So I knew that my wife would never divorce me. I see. Then you made an utterly insincere proposition to her. Now, look here, Mr. Holmes. I came to you on a question of evidence, not of morals. Because I have no I'm morals. I'm for your criticism. It's only the young lady's sake that uh, forces me to touch your case at all. Now, tell me, sir. Uh, what is your own opinion as to Miss Dunbar's guilt? It's very black against her. I can't deny that. Ooh, that's racist. One explanation of the tragedy did come into my head, Mr. Holmes. I give it to you for what it's worth. Pray continue, Mr. Gibson. My wife was bitterly jealous. She was half crazy with hatred. You're the half crazy with plain crazy. <laughs> or we'll say to threaten a girl with a revolver and so frighten her into leaving us. There might have been a struggle in which the gun exploded and gone off. And well, did it explode wife? or go off? Withholding it. Well, that possibility has already occurred to me. It's the only obvious alternative to deliberate murder. The revolver, Holmes, was found on the floor of the governess's wardrobe. Well, Mr. Gibson, I should like to examine your house and the scene of the murder as soon as possible. Certainly, Mr. Holmes. Sergeant Coventry of the local police is still down there. He'll give you any help you may need. Excellent. Watson, old fellow, I'm out of the timetable. We're catching the next fast train to Winchester. The fast one already left, sir. Gonna have to be the slow one. wonder if it's as fast as they talk. God, that's insane. <laughs> the previous show must have ran over when this was originally recorded. <laughs> oh, I guess they're at the zoo. I want to see the reptiles. So if I have to have someone else on the case, I'd rather have you, Mr. Holmes. The yard gets called in, then, then we local police loses all credit for success. Generally gets blamed for the failures. Though I've heard that you play straight. That's not what Watson <laughs> said earlier. In the matter at all, Sergeant Coventry. If I can clear it up, I don't ask to even have my name mentioned. Well, that's handsome of you, I'm sure. And I, I know your friend Dr. Watson can be trusted, too. Oh, don't worry, my dear fellow. We won't steal any of your thunder. Well, that's nice and friendly of you, Doctor. 
Well, come on, gentlemen. I'll walk you down to the bridge. That's where we found Mrs. Gibson's body. Where was the rest of her? In the house here. Well, I must say, Mr. Gibson has a beautiful estate. It must be 60 or, or 70 acres. Oh, nearly twice that, Doctor. The Quit bragging. The back of the house there belongs to him, too. Nice pool. Mr. Holmes. Yes, Sergeant? There's a question I'd like to ask you. A question I wouldn't ask anyone else. Then please ask it. Don't you think there might be a case against Mr. Gibson himself, sir? Not if he pays me enough. Considering that possibility. But there, Miss Dunbar's a bit of all right. If you ask me, he wanted his wife out of the way, and the pistol she was shot with was his pistol, you know. Oh, uh, was, uh, was that fact uh, proven? Yes, Doctor. It was one of a pair that he had. One of a pair? Where's the other? In his well, suit at the cleaners. There's a lot of firearms. We never quite matched that particular pistol. But the box was made for two. Well, if it was one of a pair, surely you'd be able to match it. Well, we have them all laid out at the house if you want to look them over. And we'll do that later. For now, let's just dance. Ah, this I presume is Tor Bridge. That's right, sir. Found Mrs. Gibson's body lying right here at the approach to the bridge. I see. I gathered from the newspaper report that the shot was fired at very close quarters. Yes, sir, very close. Near the right temple, wasn't it? Just behind it, sir. How did the body lie, Sergeant? It couldn't lie. It was dead. No trace of a struggle. No marks. No weapon. The note from Miss Dunbar was clutched in her left hand. Yeah, the clue, not at the scene. We could hardly open the fingers to get at it. Ah, that's of greatest importance. It excludes the idea that anyone could have placed the note there after death in order to furnish a false clue. What did the note say, sir? Oh, it didn't talk. Doctor, it just said, uh, I will be at Tor Bridge at 9 o'clock, and it was signed Grace Dunbar. I still think it's Thor. Admit writing it? Oh, yes, sir. What was her explanation? She wouldn't say nothing. Said she was saving her defense for the trial. Yes, it seems odd that Mrs. Gibson was still touching that note. Seems perfectly natural to me. Oh, come now, old fellow. Argue the thing out logically. If the letter is genuine, it was certainly received sometime before the tragedy, say an hour or two. Why then was the dead woman still clasping it in her left hand? Why should she carry it so carefully? It was on really pretty paper. Didn't need to refer to the note at all at the interview. Doesn't it strike you as rather strange? Well, now you put it that way, it does seem a little peculiar. Hello. 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 Did you notice this, Sergeant? Oh, you mean that chip out of that stone on the underside of the parapet of the bridge, sir? No, the chip out of... Yes, uh, I noticed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Didn't think nothing of it, though. Uh, it's a very large chip. Somebody get some salsa. That is how the stone works. It's quite just here. It took some violence to do that. Come a little closer to the mic. I really can't hear you. And stop yeah. that banging. It's a hard knock. Ow, watch it, bub. And in a curious place, too. But it's 15 feet from where we found the body, Mr. Dow. Oh, yes, Holmes, I don't see how it could have any connection with Mrs. Gibson's oh, murder. It hasn't. But it's a point worth noting. There were no footprints, you say, Sergeant? None, Mr. Holmes. The ground was as hard as iron. It's been a very dry summer, and we haven't had any rain to speak yeah, of this. Yeah, mm. Well, Sergeant. Maybe the killer used a hovercraft. Do and now I think we'll get back to the house. Right. Uh, Cesar will share with the firearms, I say. Oh, uh... Who is Cesar? Oh, he makes gourmet uh, dog food. Brazilian, he is. Brazilian, eh? Like Mrs. Gibson. Yes, Mr. Yeah. Holmes. Uh, comes from the same town as she does, as a matter of fact. Something very fishy about him, if you ask me. Now, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I'm going to take a little stroll around the grounds. You started me on a new train of thought in this case. Yeah, the crazy train of thought. I'm delighted, Sergeant. What? I'll get back to the house. All my stuff's there. firearms in Mr. Gibson's possession, eh, Cesar? Mm. Except for the revolver that is missing from the case. Yes, so I say I see him. I've never seen such a collection of guns and revolvers in my life. Ah, he should go to Mr. Chicago. Mr. Gibson had many enemies, senor. 
he always sleep with a loaded pistol beside his bed. In case he needed to kill his wife. <laughs> there have been times when all of us were afraid of him. Did you ever witness physical violence towards Mrs. Gibson? You mean like a WWE stuff? I cannot say that I have. But I have heard him say many terrible things to her. He would taunt her in front of we servants. I have heard him do it many times. Thank you, says I. That will be all. Muy bien, senor. Can I get you some dog food? Uh, Holmes, I still think the case against Miss Dunbar looks very black. I should agree with you if it were not for one fact. The finding of the revolver in her wardrobe. Um, so, Holmes, that seems to me the, the strongest evidence of all. I think not, old chap. Huh? I said, I think not, old chap. Where there is a, a want of it... We must suspect deception. I don't quite follow you. On Facebook. For a moment that we visualize you in the character of a woman who in cold, premeditated fashion is about to murder a rival. Could you repeat that? A note has been written. The victim has come. You have a, a weapon. The crime is well done. It has been workmanlike and complete. You mean to tell me that after carrying out so crafty a crime, you'd be so stupid as to forget to fling the incriminating revolver to the bottom of the stream? Hey, now. The dense reeds that border it. Would you carefully carry it home? And put it in the first place that would be searched? Your wardrobe? Well, Rude. In the excitement of the no, moment, one... No, my dear chap, I won't admit that's even possible. When a crime is coolly premeditated, then the means of covering it are coolly premeditated well, also. Well, then if Miss Dunbar didn't shoot Mrs. Gibson, who the devil did? I hope I can give you the answer to that question, Watson, when we've made one further visit. Oh, Lord, where are we going now? To prison, old chap. Prison? But I just got out. <laughs> to prison to call on Miss Dunbar, I'm certain. But the key to this strange mystery lies in her hand. Orange is the new black, by the way. Take me out to the movies. Holy cow. Hot dogs, penis. <laughs> Ooh, cold. <laughs> and now back to Dr. Watson and tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure... The problem of Tor bread. It's Thor. <laughs> well, uh, Doctor, did you go to Winchester Prison and see Miss Dunbar? We did, Mr. Bartell. An hour later, I found the two of us sitting in a dank and gloomy cell, talking to one of the most beautiful girls that I've ever seen. Just like prison on TV. Flashing eyes and her air of quiet confidence seemed sadly out of place in such a setting. Holmes spoke to her quietly, soothingly. Dunbar... Tell us of your true relations with the dead woman. She hated me, Mr. Holmes. She hated me with all the passion of her distorted mind. Please tell us exactly what happened on the evening of Mrs. Gibson's death. Well, she died. Well, I, I received a note from her in the morning. A note imploring me to meet her at the bridge after dinner that night. She said she had something important to say to me. Something about buffalo wings. No, Doctor. She, well, she asked me to destroy the note, so I burned it in the schoolroom grate. I saw no reason for such secrecy, but, well, I, I did as she asked. Hmm, and yet she kept your reply very carefully. It's interesting. Tell me what happened when you met her that night. Well, we watched the Hallmark well, Channel for hours. I, I won't tell you what she said, but she poured out her whole wild fury and burning horrible words. I did not. I couldn't. It was dreadful even to look at her. She was like an insane woman, standing there screaming disgusting insults at me. I, I put my hands to my ears and rushed away. Well, where was she standing when, when you left her? Right in the path of a gunshot. The spot where her body was found later. And yet, presuming she met her death shortly after you left her, you heard no shot. No. No, I heard nothing. My ears were still but ringing from the gun smoke episode with Mamie. Straight back to my room. Did you leave it again that night? Yes. When the alarm came that Mrs. Gibson was dead, 
I ran out with the others. Did you see uh, Mr. Gibson? Yes, Doctor. He had just returned from the bridge when I saw him. He had sent for the doctor and the police. He wanted to hear Roxanne. that you found in your room. Roxanne. You ever seen it before? Never, Mr. Holmes, I swear it. When was the fire, Miss Dunbar? Next morning, when the police made their search. It was on the floor of my wardrobe where I keep my shoes. Mm, you had no idea how long it had been there. Well, it hadn't been there the morning before. How do you know? Because I had tidied up the wardrobe that day. I see. Then someone must have come into your room and placed the pistol there in order to incriminate you. I'm Just like on those old radio when, shows. When could they have done that? Well, it, it, it could have been at mealtime. Ooh, my favorite. Or when I was in the schoolroom with the children. Yes. Miss Dunbar, on examin- examining the scene of Mrs. Gibson's death, I noticed that a piece of stonework on the underside of the parapet of the bridge had been broken away. Can you suggest any possible explanation for that? I had really bad guess. Possibly. But why should it appear at the very time of the tragedy and at the very place? Could it possibly be the... Why, yes, of course. Idiot. Why didn't I think of it before? Come along, Watson. Where are we going, Holmes? Back to Fort Bridge, old fellow. As fast as we can get there. What have you found out, Mr. Holmes? I left the iron on. I hope, my dear young lady, you will get news before the day is out. And meanwhile, take my assurance that the clouds are lifting and that the light of truth is breaking through. There's no way I could possibly tell you now. We still have a couple minutes to fill. Neil Doughty on Hammond, Oregon, everybody. Neil Doughty. Don't let go. Just give me a chance to go. Well, Mr. Holmes, you're soon back here. What have you found out? Get on a few moments. Have you got my message? Uh, yes, sir. Here you are. Ball of twine. What you wanted for, I can't imagine. I'm a collector. Gee, Sergeant. Uh, Watson, I uh, have some recollection that you usually go armed on these excursions of ours. Yes, I'm carrying my revolver. Why? Uh, give it to me, old chap, will you? Oh. Thanks. Thank I... you. I believe your revolver may have a very intimate connection with the mystery we're investigating. <laughs> You're joking. Now, Watson, I'm very serious. Huh? I have a test to make. The test is successful. Miss Dunbar will be free before nightfall, and the test will depend on the conduct of this revolver of yours. Did he say revolver? Yes. I take the precaution of unloading it. I think he did. Uh-huh. Revolver. There we are. Now, Sergeant, ball of twine, please. Wish I knew what he was up to, sir. I tie one into the twine like this to the handle of the revolver. So... Sergeant, see if you can find me a heavy stone, will you? Oh, Roger, sir. All the rolling stones are actually pretty thin, though. Construct the killing of Mrs. Gibson. But she's already dead. But you've seen me miss the mark before, Watson. I have an instinct for such things, and yet it has sometimes played me false. It seemed a certainty when it first flashed across my mind in Miss Dunbar's cell. But one drawback of an active mind is that one can always conceive alternative explanations which would make us scent a false one. And yet, oh, well... We can but try. He really likes to hear himself talk. Thank you, Sergeant. Now, I tie the other end of the twine to the stone. He's having problems. Like that. Splendid. Uh, Sergeant, will you please take the stone and stretch the twine across the parapet of the bridge there so that the stone will swing just clear of the water on the other side of the bridge? Right, sir. I'll stand on the spot where Mrs. Gibson's body was found. That's it, Sergeant. Over the parapet. How's that, Mr. Oh, quit saying parapet. Swinging about eight feet above the water. Splendid. Now, Watson. Watch closely. I raise the revolver to my head. Careful, Holmes, careful. Nobody, old chap's not loaded. Heard that now, before. Let us imagine I am the late Mrs. Gibson. I raise the revolver to my head and fire it. How could she do that if she's already dead? Thanks, your answer, Watson. Great. Got the revolver flashed back out of your hand. Struck the parapet's bridge and then the weight of the stone flipped it over into the water. Was there ever a more exact <laughs> Great. Slow down, speedy. Get <laughs> Mr. Holmes. That's what you are. Look at that. We should do Vegas. Second ship on the stonework, the parapet here. 
same size as the first. Then the murder of Mrs. Gibson... wasn't murder at all. It was suicide. What? Suicide! The various steps quite clearly. A note was extracted very cleverly from Miss Dunbar. A note which made it appear that she had chosen the scene of the crime. Mrs. Gibson, in her anxiety that the note should be discovered, somewhat overdid it by holding it in her hand to the last. That alone should have excited my suspicion. Whoa, slow down there, Romeo. So one of her husband's revolvers and the other one in Miss Dunbar's wardrobe. Exactly. After discharging one of the cartridges, which you could easily do in the woods without attracting suspicion... If you shoot again in the woods... Does it make a sound if no one's around to hear it? ...method of getting rid of her weapon. When Miss Dunbar appeared, she used her last breath in pouring out her hatred, and then, when the girl had left, carried out her terrible purpose. In the missing report... You'll find it uh, with the aid of a grappling hook at the bottom of the stream... So and she stopped breathing spring. before she shot herself. Uh, ...with which this vindictive woman attempted to, to disguise her own crime and fasten a charge of... Murder on an innocent victim. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to send this one into uh, Mythbusters. Yeah. No, don't worry, Doctor. I'll get some grappling hooks right away. <laughs> I must say, Holmes, you solved this case brilliantly. Quite brilliantly. Uh, I disagree, old chap. My eyes were closed most of the time. I improved my reputation by adding the case of the Torbridge mystery to your annals. Oh, to his what? That's ridiculous. Oh, no, it isn't, old boy. I've been sluggish in my mind and wanting in that mixture of Imagination and reality, which is the very basis of my art. I confess that the chip in the stonework was a sufficient clue to suggest the true solution, and I blame myself for not having attained it sooner. Well, well you did have your eyes closed. You said it. Opinion of you. Oh? What was that, old fellow? You're a blooming magician, Mr. Holmes. That's what you are, a blooming magician. Yeah, regular Doug Henning. Let's go to Vegas. They fit a 30-minute script in 22 minutes. <laughs> Fast talking. Wisecracks Radio Hour is written and produced by Aaron Lindsay and Sean Rourke. Dr. Charlie is played by Aaron Lindsay. Dr. Wagner is played by Sean Rourke. Mr. Brumbles is played by Craig Underhill. And I'm your announcer, Lori Lindsay. Please connect with us on social media. Our Twitter handle and Facebook ID is Wisecracks Radio. Our website is wisecracksradio.com. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another exciting episode. Please review us wherever you find your podcasts. I hope we get what you need. Don't change. Darn it.